When y'all see me, you see my one Taraj. <laughs> if you don't see him, something wrong. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Happy Sabbath. It's a pleasure to be here this evening, and I just want to share a song with you today. Amen. You may be down and feel like God has somehow forgotten that you are faced with circumstances you can't get through. And now it seems that there's no way out and you're going under. Well, God's proven time and time again, he'll take care of you and he'll do it again. He'll do it again. Just take a look at where you are now and where you've been well hasn't he always come through for you he's the same now as then you may not know how you may not know when but he'll do it again God knows the thing you're going through and he knows how you're hurting you see he knows just how your heart has been broken into well he's the God of the sun and the sea and the stars and he is your father he can calm the storm and he'll find a way to fix it for you and he'll do it again he'll do it again well just take one look at where you are now and where you've been well haven't he always come through for you he's the same now as then you may not know how you may not know when but he'll do it again oh he is God and he well, I tell you, he's God, and he remains the same. Well, I want you to know he's God, and he's fighting for you. Well, just like Moses, just like Daniel. Just like Shadrach, Meshach.
Shack, Bendigo, he'll do it again. Yes, he'll do it again. Just take one look at where you are now and where you've been. Well, haven't he always come through for you? He's the same now as then. You may not know how, you may not know when, but he'll do it again. You may not know how, you may not know when, you may not know how, you may not know But I know he'll do it again. Hallelujah. Give God the praise. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. The devil is a lie. That was wonderful. He'll do it again, over and over and over again. He'll just keep on doing it for us. Amen? Whatever we're going through, he'll take us out. Because he's our savior, our rescuer, our redeemer. He'll keep on doing it, and he'll do it again. Thank you, sister. Thank you for setting the tone. Praise the Lord. I just, uh, <laughs> it's bittersweet. Uh, this is my last uh, and final uh, word with you all. And I just want to let you know that I enjoyed myself so much. You know, I may be preaching here, but, you know, in your preaching, you do learn from people. You do learn from people. You do learn from their warmth, from their experiences when they speak to you. You see Jesus in them and just, you know, I felt the embrace of Christ through you all. And I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you to uh, Sister McDavid, who drove me all over the place. Um, you know, thank you to the pastor for the invite. Thank you for the members for accepting me. You know, you didn't even ask any questions. You just accepted me. And I just want to say thank you. You accept me for who I am. And I don't get that a lot, you know, when I travel places. There's always, it's off, okay. Sometimes there's resistance. And I found no resistance here. I found love. So I want to say thank you to the church. I love you. I love you from the, the it, was for, it was love at first sight. <laughs> and so, is it on now? Okay.
retesting. Okay, amen. Again, we're getting some juice. Amen. Testing, testing. And I just want us to, to let you know that, um, like, like John the Baptist said, the one who's coming after me is greater. So I don't want you to stop attending this March Madness now. All right? Because we want to experience the foolishness of preaching. Amen? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Tonight's message is being a friend of God. Being God's friend. Anybody want to be a friend of God tonight? Praise the Lord. So this message is for us. Amen? So let us bow our heads as we seek the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bless your name. We give you glory. We give you honor, God, due to your most matchless name. We ask, oh God, for an extra dose of your Holy Ghost to, like a mighty rushing wind, come through here, oh God. Sweep us off our feet. Lord God, empower us. Lord, charge us so that we may be the, the people that you have called us to be, oh God. And Lord, we will never fail to give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. I want to talk tonight about the life of a man who is undoubtedly one of the most important figures in the Bible after Jesus Christ. Fourteen chapters in the Bible cover his life story. His name appears 26 times in other books, including the four Gospels of the New Testament. Three times in Scripture, he is given the name Friend of God. And if, if anyone can be called the friend of God, it's worth paying attention to, amen? The most interesting thing about this man is that when we read his story, we discover that he's not, you know, an extraordinary person. He's not, you know, uh, someone who, you know, who made such a big ripple in his time. He's just an ordinary person, huh? He didn't build a city or empire like David and Solomon. He didn't write any books in the Bible like Isaiah, like Jeremiah. Huh? He didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't some great inventor. He didn't create anything. He didn't make, you know, any kind of interesting discoveries. He wasn't some great philosopher. He didn't die like Stephen for a great cause. So why is it then that there are 14 chapters in the Bible that covers this man's story, this ordinary Joe, if you please? There's nothing that stands out about him, nothing at all, nothing impressive but for some reason or the other, he's impressive in the eyes of God. Now today, 
will try to understand, will try to understand how to be God's friend through his story. Have you guessed who I'm talking about? Who is it, everybody? John the Baptist. His name is Abraham. So let's go to the beginning, shall we? The Bible says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who what? Bless you. And the ones who curses you, I will curse you. And, and in all, in, in, in you all that, all the families of earth will be blessed. What a promise. Isn't that a, a, a mighty promise? He will bless those who, who, who bless me. Huh? He will curse those who curse me. And all the earth will be blessed just by me. Can you imagine that? After sin entered the world because of Adam and Eve, humanity had sunk, sunk to an all-time low. They had fallen so deep into sin, and they had gotten so further and further away from God that God, God didn't, I mean, God was, was, was sorely vexed and sorely sad. The world got so bad, so bad. The first murder started with who, everybody? And then from that, it spiraled downhill, one atrocity after the next. And then finally, at the time of Noah, the people became so wicked. The Bible says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was what? Only evil continually. Can you imagine a time when people are continually evil? Nothing good comes into their minds. Just evil continually. It's hard to be evil all the time. Huh? But this is what the world was. This is what the world had been reduced to. And God has no choice but to destroy the world by the flood. And so he saves. He saves one family that he can find on this earth, Noah and his family and his children, that weren't corrupted by, by the things that were going on in this world. But it was not too long after that, huh, with the Tower of Babel, hmm, that he decided that he had to go down and confound and confuse the languages of the people so that they may disperse all over the world. And then finally, God says, look, I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm going to have to implement another way to reach my people. And he decides that he will get personally involved. Amen? He decides he will get all in it, elbow deep, knee deep in the affairs of mankind. 
He wants to introduce his saving grace. He wants to introduce now his matchless love. He will finally reveal to humanity not through some doctrine, not through, not through some code, but through a relationship with one man and his family. He wanted to reveal who he was. So God looks all over the world, all over the earth, and chooses just one man, one special friend. And he will bless this man, and he will bless all his descendants, and show the world that their lives could be changed if they only chose the right friend. So this is God's plan. And in the life of Abraham, we find the first step to becoming the friend of God. And the first step is what, everybody? Divine initiative. And I just want to let you know that this divine initiative is the most important part of being God's friend. Abraham did not know God, nor was he seeking to find God. It was God who sought Abraham. It was the Lord who called out to Abraham. And did not, and Abraham didn't even know what a covenant was. So while Abraham is living in Ur with his family, the Lord zooms in on this man's life and gives him a command that will change his life forever and ever. So God gives him that command that would change his life. Abraham did not expect it, nor was Abraham deserving of it. Amen? It was only because of God's sovereign grace and his love that he chose Abraham. And I want to point out the implications here. This is exactly how God begins with us too. We don't seek after God. God sought us first. And some of us believe that we have done something great when we give our lives to God. But it's the Lord who initiated, never us. We wouldn't even seek God if God wasn't seeking after us. While we were doing our own thing, huh? Up to no good, even not, not even thinking about God. God was always thinking about us. And how we know this is because he sends messengers, sends messengers come like, like, like our grandmamas and our granddaddies, our mothers and our fathers, our brothers who mention us in their prayers, praying for us even when we were doing our own thing, when we came home drunk that evening, uh, that, that evening, even when we did not know, huh? God was sending his messages. God was speaking to us and speaking to us through them. The time when you should have been dead in your grave, God was speaking to you. He's the one who saved you. The accident that you survived, God was speaking to you. The disease that was cured, God was speaking to you. The misdiagnosis by the doctors, God was speaking to you. He keeps on speaking to us all. He's constantly trying to prevent us from going too far. Trying to stop us. Look, don't, don't go there. Don't you recognize me? 
He's constantly seeking after us. When you did not think of God, God was always running after you. Our choice of God is impossible. You hear me? It's impossible. Because God, God has to choose us first. Look at what it says in the Bible. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has what? Chosen Jacob. Huh? And look what it says in Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before your mama or your daddy got together, God knew you. He knew your name. He laid claims on your life. And he had a purpose for it. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you did not what? Choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give. Being a friend of God is not our idea. Mm -mm. It's not your idea, but it's God's idea. It's because of his choice that we are called his friend. So the first step of friendship with God is that he chooses us before we even think of him. Isn't that awesome? My God is awesome. And there are people who believe that salvation stops there. Hmm? Some people believe that if the Lord chooses them, that's what, that's it. That settles it. They can do whatever they want. Huh? You, have you ever heard of the notion once saved, always saved? And then nothing can affect you, but that's not how the life or the experience of Abraham went. Just look at what happened. Look at his response. So Abraham departed as the Lord, what, had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And then Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's uh, son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. This brings us to our second step. The first step is that he chooses you. The next step is, is our response to God, which is what, everybody? It's obedience. Obedience to the call of God. We must take God at his what? Word. The word of God must become priority to us. The fall of mankind became, uh, uh, came because of two people that committed two acts. They did not trust God, and they disobeyed his word. Are you hearing me out there? Now, I know the word obedience may bother some people, huh? Because people don't like to answer to anybody. Hmm? They say, I do whatever I want, huh? Huh? It's my life. I'll live it how I, I see fit. And, but this is the same attitude that led humanity in the condition that we're in now. That me, me, I business. I'll do whatever I want. 
That's what happened to them, Adam and Eve. They distrust God's word, which led them to disobey. And we suffer now with pain. We suffer now with disease, depression, and death because the first man and the first woman did not exhibit faith in God's word by their obedience. They disobeyed God. The way of salvation is faith in God and obedience. 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 And listen, we're not saved by our obedience. We are saved, and obedience is a response to our save, being saved. Amen? Amen. We must take God at his, at his word and live according to his word. If we want to build that friendship with God, we've got to what? Obey. And let me tell you, our salvation is at a standstill until we act in response to God's call. And we believe him and we obey. Some of us right now, we are at a standstill. We can't make progress in our lives. We aren't able to get to the next level with Jesus in our lives, in the next level of experiencing God's ultimate power because we refuse to act on his word. We, uh, God wants to do so much. He wants to do so much in our lives, but we're holding God back because we keep on disobeying. We don't want to adhere to what he says. But I tell you this, we can go to a next level if we would just surrender. He gave us a clear revelation in his word, but we hesitate with him. And guess what? He can't do more with us until we say, yes, Lord. Huh? True faith always responds with actions. James mentioned in, in James 1, uh, uh, faith without works is what? It's dead. When Abraham heard God's call, he did not hesitate. Huh? He did not consult his friends. He did not set up a meeting with his wife and with his father to decide whether or not, you know, leaving would be a good idea. No, the Bible says he took his family, he took his possessions, and he went where the Lord told him to go. And the interesting thing about it is he didn't even know where he was going. He, know, he didn't know about that land. But he immediately did what God told him. I want you to get something here. This is a very important point about acting on God's faith, or acting on faith with God, rather, is that there's always a degree, listen, this is powerful, of unreasonableness when it comes to doing the will of God. There's always a degree of unreasonableness when doing the will of God. And there's always people around you who would oppose what you're doing. And they will ask you to explain why you're doing what you're doing. Huh? And guess what? Most times you can't even explain why you do what you do to their satisfaction. People who, who are being led by the enemy, by the way, will test you and make it seem that your faith is stupid. 
you worshiping on Sabbath? Everybody else is worshiping on another day. That's stupid. Huh? But our faith does not depend on logic. Come on, somebody. Huh? We, don't, we, we can't rationalize or make sense out of God's call because God, let me tell you, God is working on another level. He's working according to his plan, not our plan. We can't rationalize what God is doing. Huh? Isaiah says, for my thoughts are what? They're not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. God is calling us to another order. Hmm? Another realm. Another kingdom. When Pilate asked Jesus in John 18 about his kingdom, Jesus says, my kingdom is what? It's not of this world. Huh? So don't you worry about it, Pilate. You ain't got nothing to worry about your little kingdom down here. My kingdom is not of this world. God is, no, is on another level. Look what happened to Abraham. Examine his life after God called him. People around him thought he was stupid. They thought he was crazy when he left the comfort of his home, huh? And the safety of his own country. And when he died, they still thought he was crazy. Even when he died, they thought he was crazy. He was never able to give them proof that, he did, that, that what he was doing was the right thing to do. Hmm? Are you hearing me out there? He left his home, his family, his country, and he could not tell people where he was going. And when he died, he never arrived at the place God promised him. Is this thing dropping? The Bible says, look at what it says in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was what? By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise and in a foreign land or a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and J Jacob, the ears with which, or with him, of the same promise. Did you just hear that? That means the Bible not only says that Abraham never saw the promise. I dropped it. Not only did Abraham not see the promise, but Jacob, Isaac, and Jacob didn't see it either. And they all died, not seeing the promise fulfilled. Huh? So if this is the case then, what did they base their faith upon? And I love the next verse. It says, for he waited for the city which what? Has foundations, whose builder and maker is who, everybody? Abraham did not care about the earthly kingdom. 
<laughs> oh no now. He was looking for the kingdom of heaven whose maker and builder was God himself. He didn't care about the Canaan land. Uh-uh. He had something more to look forward to. So even if he died without seeing that promised land, he knew he would see this land. He knew he would see that golden city with all them gates. Huh? He knew he would see or he would experience walking on the, the streets of gold. And that's why his faith made sense. That's why his faith makes it. It may not make sense. Foolishness, foolishness of preaching, it may not make sense to other people. But if you have faith, it makes the world of sense to you. And nothing, nothing, nobody says can bother you. Being a friend of God means living for God's future kingdom right now. God's friend is not preoccupied with what he can get down here. Are you hearing me? They're not obsessed with finding a husband, Michelle. They're not obsessed with finding a wife and children or obsessed with getting that job or that career or having lots of, lots of, lots of money. Hmm? They are focused on their heavenly riches. They say, take this whole world. But give me Jesus. Also, the call of God does not guarantee an easy life. He never said the road would be easy. Huh? And some of us, if not all of us, may have to suffer sometime. And some of us are suffering right now. Huh? But the good news is that trouble, it don't last always. God has an eternal plan, and I love this scripture, for our light. That means whatever you're going through, it is light. It's light, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Oh, I don't, oh, anyway, I'm, I'm surprised y'all are not clapping. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what, everybody? Temporary. Trouble don't last always. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. If the church can't say amen and shout, I'm going to shout by myself that whatever I'm going through is not, is not permanent, but it's just temporary. Amen. Glory be to God. And church, let me tell you, we can't afford to live for the things we can see down here. We have to live for eternal things. Amen. We have, we've got, to, we've got to use our eyes of faith. When trouble comes and they mount up on us, we have to see past what we are experiencing right there and then, that you will see the light at the end of the tunnel. There is a silver lining. God has a plan. So we go to Genesis 22 now. One to three, we fast forwarding now. 
And it says, now it came to pass after these things that God, what, tested Abraham and said, like, like he wasn't testing him already, and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. I love him. I love Abraham. He's always, he's always in, a, in a position of readiness to do exactly what God wants him to do. Here I am, he says. Then he said, take now, this is God speaking, your what? Son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall, whoo, whoo. I'm like, whoa, God, wait a minute now. <laughs> his walk with God began when God told him to leave his father's house and country and land. And now his walk with God is ending with his son. And this comes to the third step in being a friend of God. And that is what? Surrender. Complete surrender. This means giving your all to God. Yes. Giving everything you got. Holding nothing back. And the truth of the matter is, Almost everyone here in this room has not experienced this step. From the preacher to the pew sitter. This is the hardest thing to do. People struggle with this. Everyone struggles with this. Every single one of us struggles with this. This is the most difficult thing you could ever do in your life. In fact, most of you here uh, have come here because you still have not been able to do just that, surrender. But if you want to become a true friend of God, he requires that we surrender. We've got to surrender. Be honest with yourself. Have you truly, really surrendered? If God were to come up to you and say, listen, I want you to take your son, slice his throat, would you be able to do it? Huh? There wasn't a more precious gift than Isaac. Abraham's son. He was Abraham's son of promise. Finally, finally, after years, he's an old man now. Finally, he gets his only son. And this was the greatest test of Abraham's faith, to offer his only son. And it would, would have been tragic enough if his son had gotten sick and died, but God is commanding, making a command to bring his son to an altar, slice his throat, then take his body and burn it on some 
uh, some altar as an offering to God. Picture it. Huh? But guess what? Abraham gets up and does exactly what God says. He obeys him anyway. I want you to know that God's call is a call of partnership with him. And this is what we as Christians are confused about today. Huh? We think being God's friend, if we're in friendship with God, that being God's friend is always going to be on our terms. But it's never on our terms. We have this idea that comes from North America, huh? That if we're, uh, if we're friends with God, that means we'll prosper always. Materially, financially, physically, we'll always prosper because we're, we're God's friends. But this is not what God is teaching us here through Abraham's story. God's call is a call to oneness with him so he can accomplish his will in us. Not for us to accomplish our will in him. Huh? Are you hearing me out there? And just like Abraham, we often don't know what it means at the beginning. God's way is always mysterious. God works in mysterious ways. And we sure enough can't understand what he's doing. And guess what? God often does not explain it. Sometimes we have to walk by it blindly, not knowing where this road is going. But praise God that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that he's the one leading but if we just put our trust in God, he will get us to where we are going. Even when it hurts. Even when it's hard to bear. We must trust God, amen? There's a story, isn't he cute? Of a little boy a little baby boy who had dislocated his arm somehow. You know, and nobody knew how he did it, but it happened. And he wasn't using his arm. And his mother, you know, she finally realized that, wait a minute, my baby's not using his arm. So what's going on? So she takes him to the doctor. And the doctor lets her know, listen, your baby has dislocated his arm. And so what I'm going to have to do is that I'm going to have I'm going to have you hold him and what I'm going to have to do is that I'm going to have to come in from behind sneak from behind and I'm going to have to do uh, I have to push with one quick motion and pop that arm back into place Sounds painful but it's something that had to be done So he does it so he, he tells, he, the, the mother's holding the baby, and, you know, he, the baby's unsuspecting. And then he comes in, and he pops that arm right into its socket, right back into place. 
And the baby lets go one cry, ah, ah, and with that same arm, he wraps his arm around his mama's neck. The doctor could not explain to the baby why he had to hurt him. He could not make him understand that he had to hurt him in order to fix him. And the doctor could not get his permission either because he didn't understand his own condition. For all he knew, he thought that his arm was supposed to be like that. And it could have been that for the rest of his life, he would have an arm that was dislocated and he wouldn't know the, dis the difference. The doctor had to hurt him and could not get his permission. And his mother had to trust that the doctor knew what he was doing and that the pain would only be temporary. Eventually, her son will get better. Friendship with God is like that, like that. It's the same way. But our problem is that we want to tell God how to function. We want to tell God how to operate things, how to maneuver in our lives. We want to tell God how to bless us. We want to tell God how to save us. We want to tell God how to help us. But God has a plan for us when we go through it. Huh? He knows what's best for us. And most times, he can't explain why we got to go through what we go through. But we have to learn to trust him. Amen. We have to learn that the just shall uh, are saved by what? Faith. Do you trust God tonight? I'm finishing now, so if the musicians can come up. Have you given your life to him, huh? Or are you still hanging on? Have you surrendered everything or does God still have to give you an explanation? Hmm? Does he have to tell you why you're going through what you're going through before you can trust him? Have you fully surrendered? If you want to be a friend of God, he wants you to know that before you were born, he knew you. He ordained you. He laid claims on your life that you would exist. And he also wants you to know that you must exhibit faith. And that faith must be demonstrated through obedience to him. And lastly, you got to surrender all to Jesus. Is there anybody out here who hasn't truly surrendered to God? Huh? Abraham. Let me tell you, Abraham. At the beginning of his journey with God, Abraham believed God was leading him to a place. 
huh, to a certain place. But it was not until the end of Abraham's life that he realized that God was ultimately leading him to himself. Huh? That was God's ultimate plan. It wasn't, it was never about some land. It was never about some promised land. It was all about a relationship with him. He went through all of that because God wanted to lead him, lead him to himself. It was never about the promised land. His purpose for us is that he wants to be our friend. And so, the Bible continues to say, then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now, now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Is there anybody still holding back? God wants to be your friend. Is there anything you're holding back that's so precious in your life you're having a hard time letting go? God wants to be your friend. And let me tell you, to be God's friend is better than, than what you have. That's what you're holding on to. Is there anybody in here who wants to be God's friend? Come to the front. Run. Run to the front. Come to Jesus. He wants to be your friend. Don't hold anything back. Tell him yes, just like Abraham said, here I am. Here I am. Do what you have to do to save me. I surrender all, Jesus, because all to you I owe. Let me tell you, Abraham was willing to give his son and Jesus Christ or the father was willing to give Jesus his son to save the world. And he gave us his son so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Anybody want abundant life, abundant life? Come to Jesus. Don't hesitate. Hold nothing back. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God in his sanctuary. Is there anybody else? You know, now I'm opening up the church doors. There's anybody who wants to give their 
their whole hearts to God. And they want to demonstrate that through going down into a watery grave to come up in newness of life. You want to go down and be baptized. You want God to set you free. Now is the time. If he's calling out your name, be like Abraham and say, here I am. Is there anybody like that who wants to go down, who wants to be baptized today? Now is the time. Don't harden your hearts. Tomorrow, let me tell you, is not promised. You know, I hate that, 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 that saying, but it's truth. I've always hated it when I was younger. Oh, they're always saying tomorrow is not promised, tomorrow is not promised. But it's the truth. Tomorrow isn't promised. Our life, the Bible said, is fleeting. We're here today, gone tomorrow. If he's given you a chance today, don't harden your heart. Seize the moment. Because let me tell you, these moments, they pass by. They pass by quickly. And you might miss out on your opportunity. If you're here tonight and you hear God's voice speaking to your heart, don't resist. Just give him your all. Are you here tonight? Are you here tonight? Come to Jesus. You're not coming to me. You're not even coming to the church. You're coming to Jesus. I'm going to count down from five. I'm going to give you a chance. Everybody's heads are bowed, bowed and your eyes closed. Five. Four. Three. Come on, come on, come on. Two, are you here this evening? Do you hear God's voice? One, come to Jesus. One and a half. One and three quarters. Are you here? Their kind and everlasting Father. Your love is so amazing. Your grace, oh God, is awesome. Lord God, we wouldn't know to come to you if you had not come to us. We wouldn't think about you had you not thought about us first. And I declare, oh, what love. Like Jeremiah one says, before I was formed in the womb, you knew exactly who I was and what I would become. You laid claims on my life and you had a purpose for me. You have a purpose for us all, oh God. Yes. 
I pray, Lord God, that that person who, is, who refuses to come may realize how much you've done, how much you've given. You sent your only begotten son. You emptied all of heaven and you crashed down on earth just to save us. And you would have done it just for one person, that person who is resisting you, oh God. Yes, I pray for him or her. That you will melt away the cold. You will turn stony hearts into hearts of flesh so that they can see your love, so that they can see your goodness, so that they can see your kindness, your grace, your mercy. Keep pouring it out, oh God. And I pray for these who have come forward, Jesus, who want to surrender all to you because they realize that all to you they owe, oh God. I pray, Lord God, that you may empower them through your Holy Spirit, Lord, to just give, it, give themselves to you, give it all up to you, oh God. Help them not to hold back anything or hold on to anything because this old world is going to pass away. Help them to focus on things that are eternal instead of things that are temporary, oh God. Help them to trust in you. Lord, I know it's hard trusting you. But I pray that you may give us eyesight to see that you're working. You're working everything for our good. That ultimately you have a plan and that plan is to form us, to fashion us in the image of God. Seal us now, oh God. Seal us for glory. Seal us in your blood. And I pray that the devil may not have free reign in our lives. In fact, bind him. I bind him in the name of 